Worlds Gone Wad. This is episode 304. This episode is sponsored by Double Under Wonder. Hey, are you in the open? Are you hashtag in the open? And you don't have your own jump rope yet? It's not too late. You guys, get your own jump rope. We've been telling you this for years. Why don't you listen to us? You can go to doubleunderwonder.com. The discount code is GGW. Put some stars on it, put some lightning bolts on it, put some glitter on it, call it a day. Boom, bam, done, you won. This week on the show, we have Jordan Shallow, chiropractor, power lifter, all things health, wellness, fitness, badassery. We sat down with him at the Podcast Hard event back in October of 2018. It's been a while since we did this interview, but uh, we've been holding on to it for a special occasion, and we can't wait for you to hear it. By the way, thank you so much for all the sweet messages that you've been sending us. Claire is doing great. Juna is doing great. We can't wait to reconnect. Claire and I will be doing some episodes soon with just uh, me and her. She and I, you know, if she was here, she would totally correct my grammar. So I don't even know how to function in life without her. I can't wait to have her back. We hope that you've been enjoying these interviews. In the meantime, here's this week's episode with Jordan Shallow. All right. I'm so excited to start with this question. Please do. Because Claire and I were- Is it about your shoes? I have a lot of questions. Would you like to ask? I wouldn't know where to go to buy those. They're phenomenal. So where would you guess- the internet would is usually okay. a default yeah, answer. But if you were, so most of the time when you have very specific uh, kind of one-of-a-kind Nikes, you tend to go to the big cities okay. where there's like a hole in the wall, knock three times, someone Inter- might uh, let you speak open. Speak easy sneaker shop. Yes. Exactly. Understood. Completely. So we these, should also, I, th- I feel like you have to talk about Scott now. I do. My husband is a huge sneakerhead. He, so, like, it's his retirement fund. He has yeah. like a closet full of shoes that he's like, like this entire room. Really? He's mm-hmm. didn't not he a market. Your... There's no market for Pokemon cards. No, like those, she... these retain value. Yes. I didn't know this. Oh, you? He paid for your engagement ring with shoes, didn't he? Yes. So here's the thing. <laughs> There's so okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> these shoes, like any Nike shoes that are like released as like a limited limited edition, the sneakerheads will buy them. There's a whole community, especially Jordans, right? There's like certain Jordans, like Jordan 1s, Jordan 2s. It's a whole world. I I didn't know this. Yeah, don't get stressed. You're like really I just had a dissertation on essential oils. Nothing is going to baffle me at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So you buy the shoes. If you get a pair, then you can resell them for like three times as much. So people make bank doing this. So... My husband is just like a hobby. He loves Nikes. He loves shoes. He loves whatever. It's like same thing with concert posters. He will go to a Pearl Jam concert, buy one of the very limited 10 posters that are signed by the artist that created it, and then resell it for like five times as much. So there's like this whole like underground world of shoes. So um, I kind of am like by default, like now a shoe person, but these are from Chicago, um, Nike town. And they were made for the Pride weekend. As you can see, the bottom sole is rainbow colored. So, yeah. I was like, but oh. typically people don't wear the, the they put them they in usually like don't a wear hermetically them. sealed box. And they put them on ice, as they like to say, and resell them. Uh, they it's don't say that. Then, yeah. uh, the, what gets me is the cottage industry that's developed. Like, here I am going to school like an asshole. It's like, oh, fuck. Right. Reselling <laughs> shoes. Oh, to be How clear. How did I miss it? To be clear, though. My husband has an MBA and he's like got a great job. This is not something that he's like, you know. Yeah, no, I don't think you guys are financed off of pedaling (laughs) shoes out of the back of a trunk or eBay or anything. I'd be a little nervous about that, but someone's doing that. Yeah. People are doing it. Taylor. There you go. Taylor, yeah. Taylor Mind Pumps, um, like the head honcho with the 
all the sponsors and stuff. That's yeah. how he got his yeah. his starting up. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Make your money. I yeah. don't care yeah, at this point. Exactly. Right. Girls gotta eat. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a whole world of that. But now I'm kind of like, ah, oh, I do, I do like the shoes. I'm not gonna lie. You look like you're getting ready to like go into some sort of work site with yeah. Your shoes. I love the, really the work duty. boots. Tell us, tell us about this like evolution oh, uh, of style. Uh, sure. We're going from We're Nike. using the word style yeah. extremely loosely here. <laughs> uh, my claw. I almost like you ever watch cartoons growing up and like the obviously the character is is a character more than anything so he is just everything he wears is the same like yeah. bart simpson wore the same thing maggie was a baby for like right. 17 years. yeah exactly yeah. my closet's a lot like that you just open okay. the closet and it's like oh i wonder what this is my colorful outfit yeah so it's just there's no thought there's like gray in there. it's this is guy matching just black Wait, everything's black yeah. perfect yeah so but there's just something to be said about like the decision you know about decision fatigue right so like people who are make a lot of decisions in their daily yeah. life like the last like thing that you want to do were, uh, same thing with me. barack obama and yeah. so you're like you just wore the same I thing think all the time like frees one... up your prefrontal cortex yeah. not making arbitrary right. decisions so you're just being smart smart <laughs> sure let's go with that Combat that's, is that's the best today's gonna go so yes <laughs> um yeah no decision made and it's all black so it works it's great it's awesome it, goes, right. it goes along with the aesthetic so joy what's the question you wanted to open with? oh i'm so well it's just we were laughing so hard because okay so we we follow you and we're like looking at your pictures of recent and we're like and claire's like why is he so big <laughs> how did you get that's to a be fair so question big? <laughs> Uh, I, su- I so suppose being gonna... less small would be the Occam's razor <laughs> answer to that. I don't know. It's relative. So, I okay. I, like kind of tongue in cheek, like I'm laughing, but like sure. you clearly have been probably like athletic your entire life. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, it's all relative. Cause like where I train, I'm not considered that big. Yeah. So it, like it's in, the world, it, in, in, a, in a podcast space perhaps, but, right. um, I don't know. I, I was like picked on as a kid, like genetically predisposed to not be athletic. Like my parents are essentially uh, uh, hobbits. So no, 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 like I'm not even joking. Yeah. I'm so I'm from um, I'm from Newfoundland originally. Oh, uh-huh. really? So, yeah. So for the American geographers out there who struggle a bit with Canadian geography, because uh, they usually get okay. There's Vancouver. Right. Yeah. Then Toronto's a province. They All speak the- French somewhere, and then there's the ocean. Right. Yeah. I'm in the ocean. Right. That's kind of where home is. Um, yeah. So my parents are, were never really athletic. Uh, I was never really right. athletic. Like, you know, live on an island. And yeah. They, yeah. They're, uh, leprechauns maybe might be a, a more apt okay. comparison other than hobbits. Um, but no, I, my sister was in the 12th grade when I was in the ninth grade. So I have a sister. She's two and a half years, three years older than me. And a lot of her friends thought it would be fun to put me in lockers and garbage cans. Oh, no. And I was like, ah, that's not cool. What, how do I, like, reverse engineer this problem? And then I just started training in, like, the ninth grade. And I used to train for a sport. And I started to play hockey because when you're a short, fat kid, they just put you in net. In Canada, nonetheless. Yeah. I, I could skate before I could walk. Not that I was great at walking, but... Um, <laughs> Let's get something clear. Yeah. Well, I, if you take up more space in net, logistics are like, well, it's probably harder to score on the fat kid. And then I... Just, showed a a uh, a certain aptitude for it and then for i started hockey or for being big uh well for being a cannon fodder in hockey which is essentially what a goalie is um and then so anyways i started training for hockey i was like oh maybe there's something to this and yeah. played at a fairly high level and then i started liking training more than actual hockey and transitioned out of hockey to pursue post postgraduate education and just kept lifting and I just, I don't know. I, I always liked the process and it started to parallel with what I was doing with a career. So I think just 
getting able, uh, getting access to better information as far as principles and training in anatomy and biomechanics, actually from the best progress I saw was through grad school. It's like when you cut open a dead body, you can learn a lot. So like being in a cadaver lab for six hours a day and then going to train for three hours a day, it's like you can really make some connections that were uh, elusive to me prior to that. Yeah. Um, and then that sounds uh, weird. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a weird. Day. Don't and it, yeah. I have to specify cadaver lab. Like it wasn't often like hobos on the side of them to put them in my trunk and <laughs> some weird Dexter, Dexter thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no. So and then actually, as I was finishing up chiropractic college, the first patient I ever had, um, he's a close friend of mine now, but he's a nine-time world record holder powerlifter, and I sit I sit next to him and I just look like a child, and he's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like you know, you should probably just keep doing this. And he kind of showed me a few things and now I train with him a few times a week and that's sort of been the evolution through. So, yeah. Did you identify as a jock when you were in high school? No, I, I almost looked at myself like a, like Robin hood, hmm. like people who pick on other people. I want to pick on those people. Really? Yeah. I love like, not like the damsel in distress, but anyone, anyone like got picked on. Cause like it, it was a, I don't know, from the ninth grade to the 12th grade, you do a lot of growing up. And sure. there were people who would do that. And my goal was like, hey, I need to be this much bigger than them to be imposing to them. Because the people who do that are... So that was, that was more how I looked at it. But never really a jock. Yeah. So, But you were interested in like weightlifting and fitness and hockey and... Yeah, kind of. But I mean, I was... I don't know. I, I started studying history and political science uh -huh. before I got into uh, kinesiology and exercise science and then chiropractic. So... I, I don't think I was ever identified as or or identified personally as a jock, no. I'm just curious because like, yeah, when you have that kind of look to you and like, but then the group you choose to hang around with, you were like trying to be the hero for people. I kind of like subverting people's expectations. Yeah. Uh, like being somewhat of like a conversational Trojan horse. Because mm -hmm. I, I know the stereotypes when I walk into a room. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like, What do you think people see when they see you? I don't know. They think I'm a meathead, likely. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've had people tell me that. Like yeah. people I'm good friends with now will tell me their first impression of me. And it's just like, I don't know, I was afraid of you or whatever. Just like, oh, it, <laughs> sure. you going to shove I, my head in the locker? I, yeah, I don't know. If I resemble someone in your past that had done you wrongly, I know people who don't like German Shepherds because they've got bit <laughs> as a guy. Similar sort of association. <laughs> sure. um, but no, I, I, I enjoy the fact, and I think it's actually to my advantage because I don't think I have to be as smart as I otherwise would have to be because people have such low expectations. It's like, oh, he's only drooling out of one side of his mouth. Look at him. <laughs> Wow, brilliant. This guy's awesome. So, no, I, I, mean, I don't mind it. It's something, it's comical. Yeah. It's, it's well, it keeps people, people on their toes because it's also going back to like, you know, what it it makes people think about how they judge on the like the first impression. Yeah. And so, once you start talking, you're like, well, this is actually what I do. They're like, oh, okay. I'm an asshole. Like, <laughs> it, it, is, it is an interesting barrier for me as a chiropractor mm -hmm. because there is a certain physicality to the work that I do. Um, it's good exclusion criteria, I think, because I can be quite abrasive. So like the personality can dictate the physicality or can um, be emblematic of the physicality. So like I can be a pain in the ass. Like I'm, I'm, I prefer verbal confrontation over physical, but if verbal doesn't do it, then yeah, we can go physical if you'd like. Mm -hmm. It's an option you can play, but I just, <laughs> I think I like it in a sense because if people are sheepish or they're uncertain or they want to be prejudicial, that's fine. I, I don't want to do business with you or right, I don't want to associate. Them. Yeah. And it's, and it's taken a little bit of time 
because it does slow down when I first started in practice. Like it, it makes me a little bit niche as a practitioner because yeah. I, I mean, unless your grandma's trying to set world records, she's not really going to open willingly walk into my office. So, which is nice because when now when I go to work, it's like everyone is, is on the same page. Mm-hmm. So do you mostly work with other lifters? Um, Athletes in general, I would say type athlete personalities, like very type A people. Sure. Um, the Silicon Valley is a strange place, uh, <laughs> it, but it's a good place too. Cause I was told in school, don't work with athletes cause they don't have any money. It's like, well, guess what? If you want to be an athlete in the Silicon Valley, you have to have money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be anybody in Silicon Valley, you have to have money. Yeah. So I, it was, I'm fortunate in, in kind of a weird backwards way to work in the Silicon Valley. Um, it is insanely expensive, but it does afford me the right to work with athletes almost exclusively or just very high powered people like CEO types or football players that they have the same mind. It's just one plays in arena. Exactly. One plays in arena, one plays in a boardroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why, why did you get into that field? Uh, when playing sports, I had a really good chiropractor. Um, I was a personal trainer at the time and then just seeing how, for me, hockey was everything. Mm-hmm. Like I had the magazines, every player stat, every game, everything I could. I played seven days a week from the time I was six to the time I was twenty. Um, and then once hockey or once weightlifting and training and dieting kind of began to supersede that, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I, I thought I liked hockey. I thought I was passionate about hockey, but this is now a trump card for me. It was just it it offered like team sports. I think they're good and they can teach you good values, but at a certain point it was beneficial for me to kind of go in personally and because you could try, especially as a goalie, it's an interesting sport where it's an interesting position in sports where if you win, it's never because of you. And if you lose, right. it's always your fault. Yeah. So it's like, I wanted so something yeah. I could hang my hat on. It's like, sure. I try, like I would put in all the work. I did all the off season training. I would stay late at practice. First one there, last one to leave. And you still never felt like you were getting, well, the statistics would show that I was never getting anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, I want to put these efforts and, and, and kind of focus these efforts on something where I can yield uh, an output for my input. I think it's, so you, I don't want to say left hockey, but you moved on from hockey voluntarily. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you age out pretty quick. Like, yeah. and you don't really realize it until you're about 18 and you go, oh, I should, I should be in the NHL right now. <laughs> Interesting. I remember that kid. He was like two years old. Why, why again <laughs> does he make $2 shit. million? Dollars? Right. Yeah. So and I, I could have pursued it. Um, I had some offers from some colleges in the States to play or go and gone like the AHL or OHL route. Um, but that comes at a cost of education. And my sure. parents were very like, you know, that can be uh, a short lived thing, get your education. And so I was like, you know what, we'll, we'll pack it in. And we'll yeah. Go to school. I just, I bring that up because I, th- I think we talked to a lot of people or you, you know, hear from a lot of people who they go into whatever their secondary sport in their life is um, as an adult because they got injured or for some reason their career as their primary and their primary sport abruptly ends. And then they're sort of like left feeling identity less and very kind of confused. And then all of a sudden, you know, then like slowly they find this, this next thing. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting point. Cause I think, I think the problem is in identifying as a jock or an athlete. And yeah. I don't think I ever did that. Like I never identified as a hockey player. It was something I was passionate about, but uh, I, I kind of, I dabble in a lot of things like music, uh, art, writing so i never really kind of was pinned down as like a hockey player sure um but i would imagine and especially kind of in our scope or our realm like barbell sports 
it wasn't really available to me growing up. Like I didn't know what powerlifting was until I started working with a powerlifter. It's like, wait, 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 lifting weights is the sport. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, weird. that's so that's weird. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was just like, I, I was very objective. Um, it was very calculated and I was like, okay, yeah, I could get into this, but like, we'll see now coming up a generation of kids who aspire to be um, powerlifters or, sure. or professional crossfitters or, or what have you. But now as the these sports try and like claim a foothold in the general arena of sports they're just kind of getting ragtag bandits of people who like found it yeah. secondarily right so but for me I, looking back i'm really glad i did cuz i struggle in my office or I don't struggle but i i see a lot of people who struggle with that identity thing right that like you come out of a four year division 1 school yeah and or you come up yeah yeah, and that's and that's the thing it's like you have to be more than that like you have to be who you like you have to be i'm jordan i i power lift i'm a chiropractor and i'm a strength and conditioning coach but i'm not a chiropractor strength and conditioning coach or a power lifter right and i think drawing that line is that's a healthy thing if what i am is a healthcare practitioner that's something that you need to instill in your patients because somatization pain from from that experience is that'll carry with you is i know people who have retired out of professional leagues and they have injuries and then they talk about the heyday the golden years right, yeah like, um uh what's the guy you know napoleon dynamite what's like the what a reference yeah uh are you not talking rex no, no. oh the guy i could throw a pigskin yeah. a quarter mile yeah, yeah. exactly wow i, I had to go deep over, into that but i can throw a football over those mountains yeah coach would have just put me in right and he like lives in a, literally lives in a van yeah. <laughs> he's like if coach would have just put me in fourth quarter everything would be different but i think that's such a universe <laughs> so and that's yeah. why it's funny right, right. like because it's it seems so personal but like what's personal is universal i guess right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah totally <laughs> Well, and I think we talk a lot about like you want to have your different buckets. Like if you put what, whatever that kind of uh, primary bucket is, a lot of times it is, you know, CrossFit or lifting or whatever. Other times it's body image. Other times it's your diet. And when you are so tied to your phys- something that's very physical and tied to your physicality, something about your body can change in an instant, whether that's an injury or, an, you know, a new allergy or whatever. Um or whether that is a sudden change in lifestyle and suddenly if all of your energy has been in this one bucket for so long, it's just like, what the hell just happened? Or even eventually you get to the point where you're like, this one thing is no longer fulfilling me, but I've spent so long neglecting all these other things. Like, I don't really know where to go from here. Yeah. And I think even there's something to be said if you have multiple buckets. Yeah. Uh, and in acute, like, because you said injury, and that speaks to me personally in the last year. I've suffered some, some pretty major injuries. I've torn my quad and my pec powerlifting. And it's, to me, it's even like having other buckets, podcasting, online business, practice, strength and conditioning. Um, even in that very acute phase of like the first week or two, I struggled with processing that. It was like, uh, when will I be able to compete? Do I have surgery? How long will I not be able to train for it? And like, even knowing I have uh, books to write, podcasts to do, uh, programs to write and, and patients to treat, I still, even then having kind of planned for worst case scenario, still had a hard time adapting to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think even if you have those, you know, you could have a hundred plan Bs, they're still plan Bs. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
So you're not. Because it's not like your your main passion isn't the other things. Like there's a lot that you put on that piece of your identity. I think so because I think it that's the one thing that transcends from one to the other, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when I'm in the gym, no one knows that I have a podcast. Yeah. Right. When I'm when I'm in the grocery store, no one knows I have a podcast. But when I'm in the grocery store, people have an idea that I lift weights. <laughs> right. 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 Because right, so, they see that. Yeah, and, and it's it's something that I would hate to have to go away. And it's and in being in the company of some of my friends who have kind of transcended to the other side of that it's something that I'll definitely hold on to as long as I can uh, because like you said right like you put so much into it but even with the other buckets like I'm not a podcaster I'm just a dude who has a podcast like yeah. and I think there's a stark difference because uh, the identity it's like I never want to be reliant on you know my libs and stats or the downloads right. or the uh, the attention and it's like I, I try and limit that level of connection but the piece where it comes from for you is like getting the information out for people like helping people. Oh, I do so much out of spite. You wouldn't believe. Really? <laughs> I just think the end is like, I grew up in the industry, like, you know, being maybe victimized or subject to marketing schemes or people with influence disseminating bad information. It's mm-hmm. a Robin Hood thing all over mm-hmm. again. Cause I like verbal, I love confrontation and I love confrontation where I'm not wrong. Like I'm empirically, I'm empirically <laughs> right. Here's 17. That's amazing. And it's just because a lot of people expect me to go right to a, maybe a more aggressive approach. And it's yeah. like, I love intellectual sparring. It's one of my favorite things in the world. So I, I love, I mean, settings, I mean, this seems fairly disarmed, which is good. And maybe it's the old bait and switch technique, but right. <laughs> I like getting into you know, the girl was out there with essential oils. I'm like, I got, I, I could go down the street. I'm pretty sure we could get candy canes. Why the fuck does it smell like peppermint in here? This is absurd. Nothing. I, I want essential amino acids and fatty acids. You can get these fucking oils out of here, so it doesn't smell like <laughs> Bath and Body Works. Like, to me, it's just, and I'm, and I'm totally willing to say. And we had me and Christina had a conversation yesterday. It was awesome, and it yeah. was so much fun because I'm not. I like to exist in the realm of things that will continue to exist without your belief, right. <laughs> which for me in the industry and, and just when people work so hard for their money and, and snake oil or essential oil salesmen come around, it's like, I feel like I, I don't have an obligation. I just find it entertaining as hell. So when they walk, knock on your door and they're like, would you like to buy this? What do you say? Depending on how much time I have. Yeah. Oh, so I'll do this. Like if, if Or even, okay, so it's a friend who's like selling that. It's not Are a you friend the person anymore. who just like dicks around with telemarketers? Uh, if I have the time, uh, I my favorite pastime is, um, and you know, supplements and nutrition isn't like, I wouldn't say my forte, but I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Going into like a GNC or a vitamin oh shop, like, wife's shopping for shoes or some shit, and I'm just like bored out of my skull. I'm like, this will kill 20 minutes. Kid with the red shirt and the tie comes out behind the counter. And you're just GNC. running oh, circles. Yeah, that, well, you know no what? Idea. You gotta learn, and you you're better learn. off learning. You're teaching from him me. a life lesson. So you've been to California before? Yes. It's a state full of people who've never been punched in the face. Yeah, very <laughs> you true. You learn a lot. It's so true. It's, it is. You gotta it's, get punched you, in the it's face. It's introspection. It's so true. Because yeah. every time I've been punched in the face, which is. I should be able to remember, but I've been punched in the face so many times. Like my you're talking gonna... literally now. Yeah, no, like, I, but I can't remember <laughs> how many times because of the brain damage I've succumbed oh to from getting punched. But a learning experience. Okay, sure. Right. Yeah. But you need it. I'm a different person for yeah, it because yeah, I yeah. know when to check myself because I yeah. know when the right hand's coming, right? Sure. And I think a lot of people just carry on through their life with a sense of entitlement, like, I'm not going to hit you. It's like, oh. Definitely. There's a line in the sand, man. Keep going and we'll see what happens. But Mm -hmm. I I think the intellectual sparring or it helps not 
get people to that point, but still get the point across. Mm-hmm. So what's your biggest thing right now? I guess something maybe supplements is it, but what's your biggest thing right now that you're like She's getting sweaty? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that you if, need to check your pulse. It's if cool. this topic comes up, you're like, get out of my way. That's yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. It's across the board. Um, uh, novelty, novelty stimulus, I guess would be an umbrella term. Okay. Like I, I have to both in my practice and in my job as a strength and conditioning coach, I'd be very specific in the adaptations I'm trying to drive. Right, I have to understand the patients. I have to understand the literature. I have to understand my wheelhouse, and I have to understand the patient's lifestyle too. Right, um, so I just think anything that is novel is is bullshit. Such as what's <sighs> kombucha? What the fuck's that doing? What's like that these stuff? Kombuchas, yeah, like, aka the sponsors turmeric, for this cool. Week. Yeah, let's not we yeah. Don't name names. But yeah, like, no turmeric, ginger, I my kombucha. I know essential oil. Anything that's like just a all novel the things stimulus. I just engaged in out there. Well, I just think to me like. <laughs> I'm still trying to master the basics. Right. Mm-hmm. Little one-off things that are supposed to solve little one-off problems. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a market for that because people by and large just, they don't want to think. And it's like when I, you know, we'll go on podcasts or I'll, you know, I'll run into people or I'll get Instagram DMs. And it's like, like I'm going to give you, like, if I think there's, I've, I believe there's a necessary level of complexity you need to understand if you really want to ha- understand or fix your problems. Your problem isn't your knee. Your problem is you're stupid. Like That's the problem. Your problem is you don't understand why your knee hurts. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to explain that to you in a 60-second Instagram video. Like, you, do you understand hip biomechanics? Do you understand the, the difference between structural and functional stability or how yeah. to train stability as a separate stimulus? And then all, I, I would literally type that in a direct message and just be like, oh, fuck it, never mind. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. it's not worth it. And not so worth that, it. I guess, is an overarching term. I would say anything novel yeah. is, is really frustrating to me because... I don't want to use the term purist, like I'm some high and mighty, you know, and you know, to each their own at the end of the day. Cause I do think if it does drive psychological or it can help retention towards a lifestyle, sure. I think that's really like, if you reach for a whatever fermented, Right, if you're having thing. a kombucha instead of a fifth beer of the day or yeah, something. Fill yeah, fill your boots. But if you're going to have kombucha and then your sixth beer of the day, right. that's where I start to have the issue. So I definitely understand like the the indirect benefit of a lot of these things, yep. but I, you have to parameterize them, right? And I think I still spend endless hours trying to parameterize and master things that I deem or and know to be from research or experience the most effective use of my time. Right? Yeah, well, I, and... What I'm hearing you say too is like there's a macrocosm that you need to understand before it matters what these tiny little exactly. details are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. I mean, I always think of like uh, who was who said this? This was years ago when um, like compression things came into the yeah. and, and it was like, do I need to wear compression, compression socks or whatever? And, and it's like, listen, if you are a professional triathlete who's trying to shave. You know, if you're the mar- the world record marathon runner who literally is now less than two seconds away from the two hour line, maybe a compression garment will help you. But if you're the guy who's still stopping to get a drink of water and chalk his hands before every round in your workout, guess what? Those compression shorts are not the problem. The, com- the problem is that you're stopping to drink your water and chalk your hands or whatever it is. It's like there are bigger things at play here than this tiny little detail that you are now hell bent on uh, focusing on. I think you helped me narrow down my specificity of outrage because so the two <laughs> things I'm most passionate about are training and recovery, chiropractic, um, Specificity of outrage. Yeah, the specificity of outrage for That's me a good would metal be. Band any, name. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. If it doesn't, it does now. <laughs> it's anything that has to do with those two things. Any train, like the really kombucha. I'm oh, whatever. I could walk by at Whole Foods. Wife sure. tells me to pick it up. I'll pick it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But it's like if the wife told me to pick up a, 
I don't know, like a shake weight from the store. I mean, kiss my ass. You can buy your own fucking shake weight. All right. I'm just not going to do it. So training and rehab modalities, I think are, are the most, I think they're the most pernicious. I think they do the most harm by not doing any good. Okay. So I I think the big thing for me that we try to drive, I guess, to get back to your original question would be, yeah, the education piece. I think it's huge. That education comes from a resentment of the misinformation that's being perpetuated and the spite that comes with that Mm -hmm. in order of like, Again, you know, arguing a point where uh, I'm pretty critical, I like to think, and I don't have much cognitive distance between what I know and what I don't know, but who knows what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I know when something's bullshit. I like to think that I can, you know, if you smell something, say something. Would be kind of be a hard and fast (laughs) rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then it must be frustrating, too, to see people constantly coming in who it's not just like this information out there is benign. Like, people are taking this information and it's actively doing them harm. Yeah. And you're just like, why is it? And yet, the other people out there with 100,000 Instagram followers who are just spouting bullshit. And yeah, that's the thing too, though. Like, I've thought about that a lot recently because the social media space, social capital and actual revenue do, they do sort of coincide, right? Yeah. Following yeah. Is, is influence. Influence can drive right. a certain business. But not saying you need to have a million followers to have a But success. it helps. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think we're all kind of trying to find that battle of how can we find things that are palatable and how can we also maintain integrity while we do that? Yeah, how um, can you give a piece of advice to a million followers with integrity? Yeah, well, and the thing too is like I, I want I, I focus a lot on the price of, or the the cost of retention over acquisition. So I think someone in a space of a million followers, like you got to think about what's your conversion rate. Like I'd rather have retention and conversion through a lot lower following of people who. That's how we talk about. Yeah, that. it would just yeah. be a, like a value proposition, right? And I think if you're going to provide things a little bit more abstractly, you're going to attract someone who will value that, and then they will stick with you for longer because they're either jaded with the stuff that is out there with being put out with the red check green X bullshit on Instagram and they just want something that's a little bit more cerebral in its approach. So uh, initially like I, I would just chop down to anyone, like anyone I could, like I got cease and desist orders. Like I, I was ruthless, but again, like I don't think I was wrong. Yeah. You may not like what I said, but you don't like it because I was literally holding your feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's a little more like, you know what? I don't want your consumer base. I don't want those people because that's a, even in practice, like when I was charging less, I'd have more headaches. And it's like, you know what? My exclusion criteria has to be set differently. I'm going to charge more money because I want to work with people who want to work. Like I'm a low volume practitioner. Yeah. If you can't get it, if I can't understand the dysfunction and get you to function properly in like three visits, you either have a metabolic issue, you have a structural issue. Let's it's go get an MRI. Something outside of your scope. Yeah, exactly. And I'd like to like hopefully stay within the limitations of that scope, um, or even my expertise within the subset of that scope. And so for me, it's just you realize the stress that comes with trying to just nickel and dime the fringes. Like, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can weed that out. Yeah. So like the has the the market that you're in, or I guess I guess like whether it be with um, powerlifting or being in the job that you're in, like, have you seen the things that have like done you wrong that have like developed you developed your opinion about all these things of like supplements? Like, have you tried it to where you're like, have you fallen into that trap of like trying all the supplements or trying all the? I mean, as a kid, like, yeah, I, I any kind of thing in a magazine, I would try like anything to get bigger, faster, stronger. I would do, 
But now you realize, and as you get older, you can parameterize things that like, okay, what is going to be actually beneficial? How much can I get from food? How much can I get from just proper training principles? And I think the answer is a lot. I speak out of both sides of my mouth because I am, I do have a supplement sponsor, yeah. but I'm very upfront with them. And it's like, Hey, you want to do like a thing on this product? It's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? It's like, uh, n- no, I don't. Cause I don't take that. Not that, like there's anything wrong with it or anything. It's I don't for my needs and my goals and my lifestyle, I don't use it. So, mm-hmm. and they're pretty cool. Um, they kind of let me do my thing and it allows me to continue to, to train. And, and that probably gives you and your like, so much more credibility, credibility. than with your yeah. followers where they're like, they know that you're not just turning around and saying, well, this is their brand new product. You should try it. It's like, no, this is the stuff I actually use and I actually stand behind. Yeah. And that's the nice, and they see the value in that. Yeah. Like they definitely see there's a lot of guys who are kind of suitcases with sponsors. Like they've just been around the industry and the wait the next day is, wait, this, this protein powder is better. But like two weeks ago, it was the other one. Right. It's like, well, these ones are giving me money now. It's like, Oh, okay. And you know what? There's the, that market will constantly recycle. The 16 year old kid will do that. But the 28 year old me, if I were to be influenced by someone, I would be influenced by someone who had brand loyalty and a a brand who had loyalty to the athlete. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, and I would consider myself like a lifelong consumer where most 16 year old kid flash of the pan, that's a, that's a constant, that's your price of acquisition versus price of retention. Right. Is most of your clientele right now, your patients, um, fa- male, female athletes? Is it kind of across um, the board? I would say predominantly male. Okay. Um, yeah, almost 90%. By no exclusion criteria. Sure. You're uh, not like, can't see the ladies. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, the, I mean, the girls I do see, I have a girl fighting. What day is it? Say Saturday? No, I have a girl fighting tomorrow, SAP. Like I'm mixed martial arts, Bellator, yeah. like main cards. Like she's a badass. That's awesome. Um, but that's across the board, men and women. That's what I see. I just think the representation of the type of athletes in my geographical area are just more predominantly. I mean, I'd like to see more people. It's way easier on my hands to work <laughs> with like a hundred and I mean, she'll be, she'll be like a hundred and 45 kilos. She'll weigh in at. 45 kilos? Yeah. So, like, what is that, 105 pounds? Yeah, she'll be yeah. little. So, it's like that. I got an hour with someone with 105 pounds. That's easy time for me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, we got guys, super heavyweights. I mean, I've worked up to, to you know, 200 kilos. Yeah. Oh, my God. 441 oh my God. pounds. Yeah, how do you move yeah, a how body do you like move? That? Well, that's the thing. Not well, but better than everyone else. Right. So, that's kind of like, it's, it's a demanding job to the point where I've actually limited my office hours because past a certain point with how I operate. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to crack your neck. Like, I can tell you lots of cracks. So why would I do that? Yeah. You back out of the driveway? All right, you're fucking fine. Yeah. Um, so can it you is, back out of the driveway? It's a lot more like muscle work um, and it's work. Yeah. Right? Like I used to, it's funny, I used to fail my deadlifts in my hands. I wouldn't be able to because of the, the, all the No, no, prior to, prior oh. to starting. And then I actually worked corporate. So I worked in Apple. Uh, Apple's wellness center for about a year and a half uh-huh. and I'll never fail a deadlift in my hands again because it's just like kneading human dough. Oh my oh God. Wow. Everyone there is so stressed. So stressed. Well, yeah, <laughs> I would see 250 patients a week. Are you kidding me? It's a, it, I mean, as well oiled a machine as Apple is, it'd be right. naive to think their wellness center wouldn't run in a similar fashion. Totally. So it was just like, I, so the physical therapist would have an ice machine and uh, between patients, I would just go put my hands in ice. Oh my God. Yeah, but, yeah. But now here you are with here. bear claws. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a luxury that is. <laughs> Owning an online business and having fat fingers. 
you are the target market for the new giant iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just like the blind guy remote. Just yeah. like the giant. Where is it? I can see it from the kitchen, Dad. It's the whole <laughs> left cushion on the couch. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. There it is. You're using just actually. It's actually a letter press. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious just within um, the time that you've spent so far as a chiropractor, as a power lifter, what have been some of the changes that you've seen that you've been excited to see? And what are some of the things that you see the industry going towards that you're like, this is, I would really love if we, if this would turn never, or, yeah, if we never come back again. Okay. So specifically mm-hmm. uh, self-care implementations. Every time I see a Theragun, it's just okay. like a fucking cringe. No end. It, I just think it's, so here's the thing. It's like, you don't pay a plumber to bang on the pipes. You pay him to know which pipes to bang on. Mm-hmm. That's sure. my rule, right? So I've had a lot of people like just strike up conversation with me and like, oh yeah, I had that knee thing. I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like I don't engage. I don't like you. My- I'm sure people constantly are like, oh, you're a chiropractor. Oh man, like my shoulder. People right. like it's almost as if they know before they walk, even if they don't know me. Like like they'll just walk around me. I just have this aura of like pain. Or people are like, oh fuck. Like I'll just see people like grabbing. Well, you're so joints. big. They're like, he can probably fix me. Just just. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but I think that's even if you weren't a chiropractor, like he could probably fix me in the in the space as they kind of this just seem to blend lines now right like, yeah. there's so many like myotherapist detox body workers it's like oh yeah uh, uh what malpractice insurance do you have <laughs> what's your state and federal regulatory board how many years of education do you have mm-hmm. how can you tell the difference between multiple myeloma and just regular low back pain oh you can't put down the fucking graston tool or smart tool and step away from the person please yeah. that's how i feel about life coaching because i'm a therapist yeah and so when people are like i'm a life coach i'm like where did you go to school and how yeah. can you coach people on their lives yeah. oh so you're a professional friend really yeah. good yeah. for you yeah, yeah. yeah. So how many followers i'm gonna get have? so much hate comments people are like i'm a life coach and i have training i'm like mm. no, you don't. <sighs> i yeah it's not worth the time mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing for me is self-care because of the pernicious um, it's your so anything and by self care you're talking about like yeah self- doing it Graston therapy doing your own care not self care like taking a bath take please a bath. brush your teeth yes <laughs> meditate floss Get meditation shower, on the fence with when you feel legs. like yeah. it if you want to I don't really it's it's 2018 <laughs> you're talking about like <laughs> I'm talking body work. You know, the yeah. second someone starts buying a $250 iced shaking foam roller, all right, guys, this is preposterous. <laughs> yeah. Or like, even more so overlapping into my scope as a clinician. It's like, all right, um, like these tools, like smart tools all come out of, or oh, what was it? We did a whole thing on our last episode about it. Um, and you get the idea. Graston, yeah, yeah. Esquasha, right. like athletes just getting sent pieces of metal and right. just DIY like, body do, work. DIY. Yeah, it's just like that's a salt and battery with a weapon. Like yeah. I have a license because if I come at you with a steel handlebar, you can't go to the cops after because the bruises you have on your shoulder. Because if you didn't have that license, it'd be really hard to explain right. why yeah. I assaulted you with a metal bat. Like. Uh, that's one Theraguns. And it's just the, the, what they do is they sell you a problem, right? Yeah. We're yeah. to break up scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Are you? Oh, I mean, you're speaking, you're preaching to the choir. We get, women get, what's the thing that right now we're supposed to break up? Uh, what's, you know, the fascia, fascia. Um, oh, but because oh. of cellulite, you're supposed to break oh, up yeah, your fascia then because the cellulite. fascia is what causes cellulite. Right. That's what we get. I can't even. Yeah. That, that is like infinite layers of stupid. So if yeah. there was a therapist, a manual therapist who could break up scar tissue physically, uh-huh. I like to think at least in 
the state of California you're looking at them. I don't know what the chiropractors look like everywhere else. Right. I can go on record and probably say, and, and not being like an asshole or arrogant, but like I'm probably one of the stronger chiropractors in the state of California. I wouldn't argue with that. No. I would, yeah. So, but <laughs> here's the thing, like, and I would never make such a claim as to say that I have the strength to break up scar tissue. If you look at any evidence or any research, like the pound per square, I would break your fucking humerus. If I tried to like scrape through your shoulder, it w the force I would have to apply to actually address the structural integrity of scar tissue or fascia would actually break the bone in your arm right. before and I then, actually address the structure. And in the meantime, I'm supposed to be able to take this like basically massage roller, roll it over the, my, the backs of my thighs and now my fascia has been addressed sufficiently so that I no longer have to like And that's the thing, right? And that's where I really draw the line in the sand is like, because what are they selling you? They're selling you a problem. They're selling me get rid of your cellulite. Yeah, it's a, yeah. that's a pain point. And right. that's, that for me First is... First of all, they're telling me you don't want cellulite. Okay, yeah. And then, yeah, and then... Fuck, I would hate to be a girl. It's There's a lot of things you gotta worry that's, about. That's yeah, a lot. I mean, evidently, I put zero thought into this whole <laughs> being a guy thing. But it works. All black. It works. Facial, it just keep the face covered yeah. with hair. Yeah. It works, yeah. and you're so lucky for it. I I thank all gods. I'm not one. I don't, just anyone that'll Shady listen. Deity. Yeah. Anyone out there that's listening. <laughs> anyone yeah. out there that's listening, just Guy next to me on the bus. Hey, yeah. man. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Good looks. <laughs> Good looks. Um, so, and I think also with that question, I also meant a little more of like the, I know, I mean, you just kind of alluded to it a couple of minutes ago, talking about kids coming up training as powerlifters or training as crossfitters from the get-go rather than having been an athlete in a team sport their whole life. And then at the, you know, later coming to these other mm. types of modalities and with the growth and I guess for you specifically at powerlifting, what do you see? Um, you know, we don't spend a lot of time in the powerlifting world. So I'm just curious as it's growing as a sport and as people are coming to it singularly rather than sort of being like, well, I wait, I lift lifted weights because I was an athlete. So I guess I can just keep lifting weights. What do you see as being pain points in that sport? And then what do you see as like, I'm so excited because the growth means this. Uh, that's a good question. Um, pain points is you lose the purity of it. Mm -hmm. Cause I think ever anyone who's, who's damaged and broken enough coming out of sports to go, Oh yeah, that looks like fun. <laughs> like I could show you a compilation just of me tearing shit off the bone that would scare anyone away from Absolutely like not. D trying to ever bench press again or squat again. Um, let alone going like, all right, let's go. Um, so I just think there's a certain, there's a certain stoicism that's come with this. And I would call myself soft compared to those who've come before me. It's like, so I tore my right pack in March of this year, two weeks before a competition. Um, it's 200 kilos. It just got away from me. And it was just like, imagine if Velcro was nope, made of flesh. Absolutely not. So for the first four inches nope. of the press, that's all you could hear. And it was the sound alone that actually like made me throw up. Yeah. So yep. I got to the back room. <laughs> I, and then I, I went in hyper. I right now. <laughs> Claire. Claire's very nauseous in her <laughs> delicate state. We'll, we'll get the oil girl in. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I'm sure she's got an elixir for that. You're right, um, Claire. No, so <laughs> for me, and, but uh, a weekend later, I went to an event my sponsor was hosting in Columbus at the Arnold, and I was supposed to deadlift. I was supposed to take my last heavy deadlift before I flew to Australia to compete. And I was bruised from my wrist to my pelvis. Oh, my gosh. Because just... Yeah. Black oh all the way down with the epicenter being about like a, a four centimeter deep chasm in the middle of my oh, right back major. God. So 
still went and deadlifted what I could and I uh, competed the following weekend, still black and, and blue. Why? Because you can and other people can't because some people just aren't able to. Like what, two of the guys in the cage, one guy bench pressed 500 pounds with no legs. One guy deadlifted 650 pounds who was amputated from the knee up. I, mean, I got like, a torn pec. It's like, because I, I can't. But like, but you also can heal. Those guys, like that's their physical state and they have to work with it for the rest of their lives. You can heal and then like. Yeah, but there's people who like, I mean, to me, it would just be a weakness of mind to step out. It's like, that's why you get into it. You didn't see, see that there would be more damage done. No. Like I, the damage I had that. been done. No, no, it was still no, partially no. attached. You, okay, you accepted that there it's just, could have been more yeah, damage. Yeah, the long term, the damage would have been done psychologically if I would have backed out and not okay. done it. And I think that's that's your that's. Have you ever seen Worse. Have you ever seen the scent of a woman? Mm-hmm. The old Al Pacino movie when mm-hmm. he has that like um, he has a monologue when mm-hmm. the uh, but not a snitch yes. that one <laughs> right and he says there's no prosthetic for a broken spirit. Yeah. And see, like I, I look at that, and I, and like I hesitate now that I know that all you want to do is like get into an electrical, like an electrical battle. I hesitate to even go there, but I, I would look at that as like it would be mentally more difficult for you to. How do I put this? Like to me, the choice would have been do I accept where I'm at and take a step back or do I try to pretend like this didn't happen and push through it? So the event that I lifted up the week prior, I don't know how familiar you are with like the culture, but have you ever heard of the cage? No. So the cage is, it's like the, it's like premier- the part of Mad Max. No, no, no. So the cage is, so my sponsor is universal. They're the parent company of animal, which is like in the powerlifting space that kind of rules the roost. So in Columbus at the Arnold, which is like the big deal, because who the fuck wants to go to Columbus in March? Um, There's a big (laughs) event where some of the top powerlifters get together and they do kind of exposite X, like expo lifts. Um, one of our guys squatted 700 for 13 reps. Uh, my training partner deadlifted 900 pounds. We had two guys go 950 for a double on squat. Um, so That's I was, amazing. I was in a race to 800 on deadlift and I just kind of went in as token just to see what I could do. And also to see if I was ready to compete. Basically, am I going to tear this off the bone? I'd rather do it in Columbus than in Melbourne, Australia. Why uh, though? Why wouldn't it just be like if, if that's okay, even there? What in your life? Because that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Like I, because you're willing to go out on your shield for it. It's like Henry the Eighth. Like one more under mm-hmm. the breach, good friends. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is, if you don't, what in your life would like, you do? You'll lay it all down for that. Yeah. And I guess like the way I think about it more is like if that is what you're passionate about, is longevity not part? Yeah. Of but that? I understand. Yeah. But it's like, do you want to? Do you want to die at forty or live to eighty and just be dead inside for right, forty? Live- and, and yeah, and not even that, because that sounds like a little rebellious, but it's like, I, I don't, don't know, know. you I don't kinda... know what, so you're telling me that no. there's nothing that would overcome you in the moment? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, I, what I was about to say is, I feel like you are a little rebellious. Like everything you've ta- talked about so far is like, you like to kind of look at what people do and then be like, you know what, I'm going to either turn around and, you know, kind of take that and make it my own and or I don't agree with what you're doing and therefore I'm going to go kind of do the opposite well I think a lot of that just comes from being passionate about what I do I don't think it's rebellion is maybe a symptom or a side effect of just being passionate about something like I could talk to someone who loves chess and if you want to talk if you talk to me about chess and the hair on your arm stand up or like you're fighting back tears like I don't know the first thing about chess 
but like, you like re- you it's yeah I, I find passion to be like a universal language yeah. like it, regardless of what it is it's it's the the the, the medium is is almost moot it's mm-hmm. the experience that i think really speaks to people so you can talk to someone who and that's what i'm trying to dig on you is like what would that be for you like because it's easy to sit here in retrospect and and say that and in hindsight obviously indirectly longevity of the career like you know right. go get surgery but i i think everyone has that override because that's that's physical right and it's like in the moment mentally like you know sponsored like just got sponsored in like a few months before was going to go i had nine seminars planned in eight cities in melbourne i was gone to australia for a whole month spoke all over the country and i was like do i give that up like this is what like not only what i do in the sense of like i really like lifting weights and i like powerlifting but working around this this is why people come to see me and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars in my office is like okay, I'll never tell someone to stop squatting. How can you work around it? Because it's not injury prevention. I think that's another thing that I have a big gripe with is people who sell that because you're selling that to a weak market. It's injury risk management at best, right? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I can tell you, you know, you want to bend until you break. Here's how you navigate your way around it. Like a month and a half ago, I squatted 750 on a torn quad. Like I went into my third attempt with the same thing. It's like, yeah. this could end with three white lights or it could end with ambulance lights. Like, I don't know, like, we'll see what happens. And it's like, I'm, I have to be able to navigate that at, like intellectually to be able to go through a full power meet with a torn pack or squat 750 on a torn quad. It's proof of concept for me that at least uh, to some respects, you know, shit happens. But if you if you know the playbook, you can run it and still be able to do what you like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I really liked what you said about like the modality is kind of move once you have that drive. Like it could be, you know, anything. And I think that that's a really good point. But I, I think like fundamentally, there still is a difference. And I mean, maybe it's just like the phase of life that I'm in, like I am pregnant. And so my life, you know, the way I think of my body is so different and I have a young family. So the way I think about like my place in life is so different. And I, I much, I'm in such a cautious phase of my life. And so I think it's just hard for me to conceptualize like this, this could cause so much damage and physical pain and could turn me around in this down the path that I'm going forever. And yeah, I'm still going to do it. So I think here's a, here's a contrast I want to draw. And this is big in this space, whatever this is. Sure. I think I, yeah, I think I operate and uh, the people I resonate with most operate from the, the stance of adaptation over optimization. I think optimization is a bullshit word. What do you mean by that? I think adaptation is the ability to overcome. That's what makes us, that's what keeps us animals. That's mm-hmm. what keeps us primal. I think all this, all this fringe frilly shit, the fridge full of whatever the hell right. stuff, right? <laughs> and, you know, shout out to the sponsors. But <laughs> but I think a lot of that is, it's optimization. What are you optimizing? Mediocrity? Fuck that, man. Like shit happens. You know, you, you yeah. if you want to, no one's going to go to the grave perfect. So how do you adapt, right? Like if you ever, I was in Kauai, I think Hawaii earlier this year and you can go snorkeling just off the northwestern shore of the island, which is like one of the nicest places in the world. And there's these seals 
And it's a weird thing to draw inspiration from. I'm, I'm with you. But you see the Following scars you. on them, right? Really? Like propellers and the ships. And it's like, I know people who can't even fucking swim. Like this thing's in here taking punches and they can adapt, <laughs> right? And I think a lot of a lot of where this market is going, and I say this market in, in, in the sense of like podcasting market and even this obstacle course stuff, a lot of what they talk about is optimization. It's like, what's well, not an optimal life? Like, life is fucking scary. Like, you're going to run into some shit. You know what? You got to be ready a, to adapt. That is a really good point because that overwhelms the shit out of me is this optimization bullshit. Um, and I think you kind of like labeled what I've been struggling with for the past like a few months of just going like, well, why are we constantly pushing ourselves to like find the right biohack, find the right supplement, find the right like, I mean, it's just Hair so... Product. Right. Whatever, it Whatever is. It it's is, like right. it's always and I was talking to a thing. dietitian the other day about this. I was like, why do we have to keep pushing it? Why do we have to keep pushing for this like eating the right things, cleaning up your diet, whatever it is? It's like, no, it's not cuz the optimization piece is what I don't like. It's like why aren't we looking at adaptation? Yeah, it's what's trivial. It gives people the it makes people feel good. Like, oh, I'm like drinking my thing. Right. Yeah, it's almost tea. like we're always worth because we're we're thinking that that is going to push us to the next level, whatever well, that is. I think maybe if you look at it from an evolutionary biology standpoint, there's some basis in that being a part of you like being an early adopter to something. Like, if I was a Neanderthal and one would argue not far off and I'm like, ah, I don't know about this fire bullshit. Right, right. We did pretty good without yeah. fire. Yeah. You're like, fuck without, this guy. We did fire without wheels. I, but you know <laughs> what? I, I think you got to draw a hard line in the sand somewhere. It's like, yeah. you know what? I'm good. I don't need a keto box this month. Th right. Thanks, though. <laughs> Catch you next time. So it's right. I don't know. Well, for me. And I think that's a good point because it is like, if, if some is good, then more is better. And in that sense, it's like, well, if some is good in the sense that I'm, you know, not eating ice cream for every meal and I'm actually getting a decent amount of sleep and I, you know, whatever, have made these changes, these sort of basic changes to my life. And those have really helped. So why can't I just keep making smaller and smaller, adap not adaptations, smaller and smaller changes? Won't that just make me continually better and better because these big changes like I started eating vegetables instead of ice cream really made an impact why wouldn't you know drinking chaga instead of coffee make just as big of an impact so many of these words are just like nauseating <laughs> Oh god! Like I repressed, I repressed them immediately. Yeah. Like you said one just a minute ago, and I, and I just cringed. And I literally forgot what it was. <laughs> and I heard Chaga. I was like, "Oh, that's in the suitcase of shit that needs to get thrown in the ocean." Um, it's just like, yeah, wait, you're drinking and again. I hate to pick on Christina, but we did a podcast yesterday, and she was talking about her her mushroom coffee and i was like right. wait, wait let me tell you how coffee works right. real quick so the thing with coffee you see is it's not made of fucking mushrooms i just i don't know i think it's it's differentiation it's people trying to be purposefully esoteric because they don't have because they can't compete mm -hmm. and you know what i mean like and I, this is something that i struggle with even even kind of in the fitness space more often it's like i know people who are just like famous for being flexible like yeah because we all walked into the gym and right. the first day and be like oh i want to be able to do like this cool 90 90 thing it's like why are you sitting like that why are you <laughs> sitting i train to put guys on their ass get off your ass what yeah. are you doing like yeah. and it's just like okay you've you've seen the landscape as it's laid out you've tried or maybe haven't tried because you're not you're not um uh, confident in your ability to excel through this landscape and you go you know what how do i gerrymander the jurisdictions of this so i can be a superlative mm -hmm. sure. it's like and sure you know like right. there's 
there's You're things the that need to be weird. Cr- exactly. And we have a gentleman that'll be joining us tomorrow who seems to be the best at the weirdest shit. And it's like, <laughs> that's gold stars. I don't want that's sure. pats on the back. I don't need like, I want to play the game that most people want to play. And I want to see how I stack up. Well, I think that even could go back to what we were talking about earlier. Like again, like the compression short analogy where it's like, all right, but how are you doing with, all, you know, are you stopping for 30 seconds in the middle of your workout to take a drink of water? Okay, then that's where you're going to get those 30 seconds back, not because you're wearing, you know, right. Vibrams or whatever. Like, right. But I think... It's I insecurity think you, through obscurity. Well, I think about like the Dave Asprey's of the world who the bullet, you know, the Bulletproof Diet guy, everything he does is something that no one's ever heard of before. And that's his shtick is like, I, you know, he sits in the infrared sauna. He takes all like the supplements you can only get in the middle East. He, you know, and his thing is like, I'm going to live to be 200 because, and every single decision he makes is on, is minutely researched. And, you know, he has made his name and millions and millions of dollars probably on these little tiny things. And you, I look at him and it's so overwhelming. It's like, how could anyone be like that? And how could anyone spend that much time worrying to that level about the things that, that the decisions they make in their day? I think you, I'm, I just look at someone like that and go, dude, you got to sure up the defensive line a little bit, man. It's not heart <laughs> disease that's going to get you. What if some fighting, you're a rich guy. You better know how to throw them. Like if shit goes down, that's how you're, you're not getting to 200 because someone's going to run up on you. You know what I mean? I just I think, have to say, I've never truly thought about physical yeah. combat being a risk factor in my life. Yeah. Maybe I need to work well, on Well, so yeah. here's the problem I have. Are you guys familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, where are we at? Where's the base of our pyramid? Self-esteem, mm-hmm. right? There's no, none of that. The missing two pieces are gone. Well, hopefully the pendulum is swinging and with ebbs and flows, it'll come back. But like I'm not like a doomsday predictor that like uh, yeah, uh, zombies guys right, we're right, fucking right, ready right, right. just skipped your last set of deadlifts no I'm not letting you into my bunker like <laughs> like for but for me like I I don't like I don't like the especially with the things I'm passionate about like this symbiosis of technology into my scope of practice it's like yeah drones work but every now and then you need Mav and Goose coming over with the F18 with totally. the gold ray bands on right <laughs> really yeah yeah and yeah. so that's and I see that with fitness and like yeah. biometrics and like oh like uh my like heart rate variability is this like I don't give a shit you got triples at 95% dude like it, I, to me psychology trumps physiology yeah 100% of the time like you can do the best you can to prepare yourself physiologically sure i get that but if you don't have it right between the ears you don't have it period and i think a lot of people are they're compensating for their inability to go deep into that psychology and they're just arbitrarily making these changes to their physiology based off of what's a, a podcast point. ad yeah right? like didn't ferris like had mentioned sardines or some shit and whole foods sold out across the country yeah like where the fuck I mean, was mushroom tea? Yeah, he'll yeah, mention he anything. He did the mushroom tea do- the thing mushroom too. Tea. Yeah, yeah, he's Doctor Oz with a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all <laughs> it is. Well, resveratrol, right? Like that stilbenoid that they got from wine a couple of years ago. That went fu- like they couldn't keep that shit on the shelves. Right, and in the meantime, you know, I, my dad's making me eat sardines since I was a kid, and like if I see a sardine can, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but. It's it's just funny because and it's like these things come into vogue. The point of that is to say like things come into vogue, they leave. Mm-hmm. And how many things now are we? You know, like look at carbs and fat or anything like that. It's like 
you know, you weren't no. <laughs> he just rolled his eyes so hard. You can probably hear it. <laughs> but I think that that you know, when you look at diet culture, like that's a great example of what you're talking about. Is things come in and out of vogue. At the end of the day, our needs haven't changed. Just the messaging we're getting has changed. Yeah, yeah, and then the diet thing is really interesting to me because that. It has its own level of, of, of deception because of the emotional attachment people have with food. Totally. Right. And that's why I wouldn't wish like to be a dietitian on anyone like chiropractic is bad enough because you can actually develop uh, an emotional attachment with pain, which is an interesting to overcome as a clinician. But to me, like, you know, and, and CrossFit has likely pioneered or in, by my estimation, let, uh, pioneered um, kind of this new wave of like online diet coaching. And it's like... <sighs> Uh, to me, it's the, it's the give a man a fish, teach a man a fish thing, right? Like you, you shouldn't be dictated that. You should be able to be fluid in your decision-making process if you have the tools in which to understand. And they're not giving you that. They're right. giving you some, and I've seen the back end of some of these big ones where it's like, okay, this is clearly a bot. This is clearly right. some guy in Pakistan who doesn't know shit about right. nutrition. Putting who's your just numbers giving, into a calculator. You know what it looks like to me is like, it looks like my report cards as a kid when you start reading like, hey, what did the teacher say about you? It's like, oh, you're not a good student. You don't pay attention either, huh? Maybe this is all like just, they have just like four and that's what it looks the like template. to me. Yes, the template. And, and I, out. Yeah, so I just think, I don't know, people are too focused on income over outcome. Yeah, well, and that's like when Joe was saying about the health coach thing, it's the same exact thing. It's like people who are like, I'm a nutrition coach. Like, really? Did you go to school for that? Oh, no, you lost 20 pounds so and now you're a nutrition now you coach. now you can, just by your experience, you can coach people doing it. Yeah, and that's the hard part with, with social media is the public's inability to differentiate notoriety and credibility, right? Like someone would rather listen to, some, and that's just to some extent why I got into powerlifting was like, okay, I like to think I have a credibility piece from acad like academia, right? Mm -hmm. Like my undergraduate, double major in exercise, community health, went into chiropractic college, worked corporate at Apple headquarters, uh, two practices in the Bay Area and work as strength conditioning coach at Stanford. And people are like, yeah, bro, but what do you bench? And it's like, mother, God <laughs> yeah, damn. Yeah, like, Jesus. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I bench crazy. this much now. Yeah. Can you, will you listen to me now? Yeah. It's like, okay, it's sure. Yeah. And then <laughs> the flip side of that is, over, like we talked about out of the beginning, is like overcoming that stereotype of being a meathead. Mm -hmm. Who's like, oh, like how much you squat? Like 500 pounds? I was like, yeah, 500 pounds. That's cute. And then like... They think, oh, he's just a big meathead. It's like, well, no, actually, here's the, here's the CV. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I think it's so it's rare and it's hard for people to be able to have both sides. And you're having to prove yourself. I'm saying that in like no, no, no. It's, it, yeah. in both worlds. Like, not no. many people have to do that. No, but I think because you'll find when you go to both worlds, you'll find polarities of people who oppose you. Like, I have people who passionately despise me which like dude first off i'm not worth your time trust me like yeah. put that energy elsewhere <laughs> but the interesting thing with that is like that's someone who's at least passionate enough to engage with you mm -hmm. so it's like all right why are you why are you so angry mm -hmm. like why are you mad about right, this what right, have right. i done like, what is it about you that's yeah, bringing that because i think that's where you can start to to look into yourself and see well is this me because you get people who are just kind of like glad hand you and just go like oh my god that was amazing and it's like yeah. you need those people to kind of like bring you back to earth and it's like, am I right? Am I wrong? What was I being a jackass? Like, is it, yeah. or, and, and maybe you can convince them to just, you know, that passion is there. They just, if you could flip it, then you have someone forever. Right. Yeah. So I've had people who, some of my longest standing clients are like the YouTube comment that started the initial interaction that them turned, then turned them into one of my clients was fuck you. <laughs> just, I've a lot of thought process and I was just so curious. Like I got to know, 
Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like, why? Why did? Why? What have yeah. I done? Mm-hmm. And and then you dig to the bottom of it, and then you can help them out a little, and then they're like, all right, you're, yeah, you're all right. Because like, at the end of the day, when people are reacting to you that way, it's about them. Yeah. So you want to drag that out as opposed to being like, well, I'm just going to say fuck you back. You know better. Yeah. And you're like, either don't engage or okay, what's let's going have on? this conversation. I love feeding the trolls. Yeah. It's my favorite That's thing. So does not yeah. shock me. I've only been in this room with you for like 45 minutes, and that already done. Well, like, I just want to like off- watch you. <laughs> more but often not. than not, it's an argument where I'm not wrong. Yeah. Empirically, just like, oh, okay. Like, why how, do you feel How do you way? handle being wrong? Yeah. I'll let you know what it happens. I don't know. Sorry, sweetie. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Um, how do I handle being wrong? You learn, right? I think oh, it's, wow. I think it's good. I think it's Are, good. You're married? Yeah. So how does your wife well, handle that <laughs> when you guys get in arguments? She doesn't. I don't know. There's a couch I sleep on sometimes. <laughs> well, you're, I, uh, how do I handle being wrong? Because that was obviously just a knee-jerk reaction, and I, I don't actually think that. <laughs> clear uh, space. I feel like I got to like clear the air there. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think it's a good learning opportunity. Like I've been wrong a lot this weekend in this company. Like mm-hmm. you got to find people who are willing to challenge you mm-hmm. or, in certain respects, but. I like to find out I'm wrong by myself. Like I like to do a lot of analysis of things. So the one, like when I first started doing content, I'm going to air quote content, um, YouTube stuff. And I was so paranoid about being uh, uh, subject to the court of public opinion that I, like I would just, I would try and dismantle myself every which way I could to see like, okay, is there a hole in this? I'm like, this is a 60 second Instagram video that took you four hours to record. <laughs> Relax. No one gives a shit. But I was just so worried that like, what if I was wrong in public? Like this is yeah. this avatar yeah. of you exists online sure. independent to you being able to actually react and, and explain your position. And it does like, because you could put out a hundred videos that have no inaccuracies. And the one time you say something wrong, everyone's, everyone's like, this like, guy doesn't know this guy, yeah. 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 So I, I think, and I've, and there are things that, and I, I'm reluctant to use the word believe in because, again, I like to operate in the space of things that exist Empirically. independent. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've, got, I've had full, like I've had videos go out about my opinions that have, you know, half a million views, a million views. And it's, the whole video is about why I'm wrong. But it's like I find so much comfort in the fact that I know I'm right. But when I am wrong, it's usually uh, the people who challenge me are challenging me academically and they're not challenging me personally. I guess that would be like a, a good line to draw. Like if someone's coming after me, fuck you, it's this. And it's like, all right, most people I know who have read the research or have gone to this level of detail wouldn't lead off the comment with fuck you. So right. it, it's, a, it's actually when I find out I'm wrong, it's, it's usually a very, it's a very interesting conversation because the person who's thought to an equal level of detail, and I'm talking specifically about like, I mean, I get directions wrong all the time. I leave sure. a fucking trail of breadcrumbs to find this right. place because it's right. like, uh, oh, left, right, ah, shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, but, but the stuff that you care about when you're wrong about yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to the point now where the conversations are really enlightening because it's with someone who's uh, an academic or has a lot of experience or likely both. Right, um, but you're not going to go into the arena with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. No, because it's not an argument. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, there's some stuff going on right now with like nutrition people battling it out, and it's like one one guy is is just being a politician about it, and not answering questions. The other guy is just stating facts. It's like I, I fail to see what we're gaining from this, right? So, uh, like, is this the cholesterol thing? Uh, cholesterol, keto stuff. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like, and again, I you got to air quote debates because it's not a debate. Like right. I, I we have, one of the most download episodes of our podcast was I went. I don't want to say head to head because it was commendable. He's a physician. He's a smart guy. He's a successful guy. 
Um, but we had someone on who worked for starting strength and I've gone on record in the, the close company of a few of my friends and through videos that have reached millions and millions of people, uh, why it's a det detestable practice to preach to people from biomechanics standpoint. And it's like, I've looked at this every which way. So you can put a video up, you can send a cease and desist, but it's like, it, you're still wrong. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's a matter, you got to pick your battles, I guess it'd be another thing too. Like I won't, unless I am a hundred percent certain of something, uh, I'm not going to put it out there. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, you just spend a lot of time on the back end making sure you're not wrong before you go out on the record. Yeah. And there's a lot of times where things, the 90% of the stuff that I come up with doesn't make it out there. Cause through the filtration process, like, Oh, I see the hole in it. All right. Sure. And, but, and then again, where the 10% leaks through and I have a conversation with someone, it's, it's exciting to me because then I've, I've polished it, I think, mm -hmm. but I don't know that I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> My wife's going to love this. <laughs> But here's the thing, I just, well, I just yes dear and I just... It's interesting it because says. like what I'm hearing is like you spend a lot of time preemptively making sure you're not going to be wrong so that you don't have to come up against the experience of being wrong. Well, yeah, because I mean, for me, there's, there's raised stakes and like, you know, chiropractors are... There is times where it's more than just my back hurts, right? And there's mm -hmm. more insidious things where like if you get into the, if you get into the cause or the habit of treating symptoms over treating patients like you miss some stuff like that can be pretty scary like right like you could really you really do some damage do some damage but like i mean for me like a license to practice is a license to know when to not to yeah right? for sure so i think like i've had some scary cases in my office like if something doesn't look right and you got to stay up and stay on your toes and i think a good way to do that is is constantly be analyzing yourself and, and kind of what's in front of you because if you get it wrong and you miss it or you you act in a case where you shouldn't have, that's on you. And like you know, I've had like stroke patients in my office where my neck hurts. Was well, like, yeah, your neck hurts because the artery between your um, or the lining between your vertebral basal artery is dissected, and you're in the process of having a vertebral basal aneurysm, and you need to get an MRA right now. Right, we're calling an ambulance. Yeah, where it's like if I was kind of a run of the mill rack in the crack, like oh neck hurts, I know this one, and then just you know. Right. John Claude Van Damme, your fucking head so, off. You know, they and, die yeah, and yeah exactly. So I think having that part of my like career is, and and respecting that too, because you know you go a whole career without seeing that. Like you yeah. go, I had one that was freaking me out, and it was an emergency call. Someone called my emergency line at one thirty in the morning. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go in. It turned out to be like a dental issue. Like had all like facial paresthesia, oh like uh, it was really scary. And it's funny, I put a video up on my YouTube page years ago, and it's like by far my most commented on and and perhaps polarizing videos. But three ways to spot a bad chiropractor: You're sort of calling out um, unethical practices that a lot of chiropractors get up to, which yeah. I then have to bear the consequence of. Um, and with the equal amount of death threats came equal amount of job offers when I posted this video. <laughs> And it was just after I had posted that, I got this call. I was like, is this the universe just fucking with me right now? Are you serious? Because it, it had all the markers of something insidious and potentially neurological and potentially fatal. Girl, like, bawling her eyes out. Like, she couldn't she couldn't open her right eye. She, facial, it almost like she had, like, trigeminal neuralgia or something like I'm that. I'm just, like, in, if I'm in that situation, I'm going to the emergency room. I'm not calling my chiropractor. And that was what I said. And that was what I suggested. <laughs> um 
gradual onset and they went to a concert whatever and i was like she fit the bill like there's a lot of markers female birth control smoke under a certain age like that's the kind of person that's going to die in a chiropractor's office and i was like fuck this is scary as hell and i was like there's some things that can be referred pain temporomandibular joint uh, muscles of mastication in the jaw Uh upper cervical spine um suboccipital triangle muscles they can do it so i was just kind of going through and I, I thought I killed her, but I was going to, uh, the masseter and the medial lateral pterygoid. I like slipped and I ended up pushing right into one of her back molars and she almost fucking jumped off the uh, table. I was like, Oh yeah, you got like an abscess molar. So oh it's not, God, and then she was just crazy. going through it. Um, so that, that was just like, go to a, go to a clinic and just get it out. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, if you don't right. have that respect and sometimes when it's not a molar, it's, it's like, it is a stroke or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think t- to double back to your question, it's like having the raised stakes in practice and respecting them. Cause a lot of people, yeah. if you don't, if you don't respect it, well, that's when shit starts to slip through your hands. Right. And there's consequences to that. Right. You're looking at all of this from more of like a, that practitioner viewpoint of like it's there are real consequences if you're wrong it's not just oh i learned and moved on so yeah it's i mean for me like whether it's strength conditioning or whether it's chiropractic the idea of being evidence-based is something that's thrown around a lot in these days and like research has almost been a pendulum swing to like cheesy marketing Mm -hmm. right like you know 10 years ago it was shreds and girls aren't wearing clothes and protein with discount codes now it's like gone the other side and people are very worried about the research and it's like all right let's take a look at this here so i think being evidence-based it hinges on three criteria it hinges on uh my experience as a clinician my education and best practice research but also the values and and what the patient prefers roughly speaking so to be evidence-based is to be able to look at that kind of three-pronged approach with everything um, and I think being able to appraise things through that, um, through that lens or through those different lenses is going to decrease your likelihood of, of missing something. Mm-hmm. So do you make any decisions in your life lightly or is everything at this level? No, I'm fairly spontaneous. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like there's, um, no, I, most of it's pretty cal. I, I'm a routine, not a routine guy. Like. So I journal when right. I wake up. A lot. You have to journal. And Five minutes it, before you wake yeah, up. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you got to do, I got to be grateful. And I have to do like all these <laughs> fucking hippie podcasts, like routine practices, nonsense. And it's like, you got to make your bed. Like I'm fucking busy. All right. Like I'll make my bed or I won't make my bed. <laughs> my Don't tell me to make I'm my bed. Sorry. Exactly. I'm the same way. I'm going to eat dessert before dinner. Who, I, little, yeah. I think it was Julie who was saying that somebody... Her, who was this recently? And they were like, I, why do I make my bed in the morning? I'm just going to sleep in it later. Like, yeah, well, why do you wipe your ass? You're just going to poop again tomorrow. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> One of the great orders of our time. I don't know her. Love it. It's but it's so just to great. me like there's so much yeah. self-help nonsense mm-hmm. now that's going out and everyone's yeah. a politician. Like, you have yeah. your views, fine, it's, but. It's the expert. Like everyone's an expert. Everyone wants to be an expert because everyone wants to be seen. But I'm just so, saying like, it sounds like you take. Yeah things very seriously when it comes to gathering information yeah well i would say also well no i would say i would say and then we got to end because it's like been going on forever but i feel like we need to have another conversation on another podcast just about the psychology piece because that's like my jam but um it's what i'm gathering is it's really getting people to think because i think we're in a society right now that we have so much information that's flying at us all the time that we tend to go with it 
that we tend to think because it's out there and it's on this platform that it must be truth. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not going to say everyone's that stupid. But I think for the most part, there are some things that will come up that we'll see and that we're like, oh, that must be true because so and so has this book they wrote. So I think that you're I I think it's refreshing that I don't experience you as combative. I experience you as being like, well, let's use our brains with a lot of this stuff. People don't like to hear that. Huh? People don't like to hear that. Let's That's use our fine. brains. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and I guess it, to boil it down, yeah, and, and that that would be pretty much the crux of it. Like, my takeaways are, like, educate yourself, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that'll be how you solve a lot of your problems. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be with a monthly subscription box that sends you things without carbohydrates in it or right exactly so so like this is a soft point recently well like well like um just let's end with this because we have so many female listeners and i feel like this is such a good piece to be like um from someone like you who's had so much so much experience like females want permission to be like can i eat carbs can i eat you know females kind of i'm not saying all females but i feel like a lot of us just like all these diets like which one do we follow now really it comes down to just eating real food would you agree would you disagree? Like, where are you at with the... Yeah, I mean, uh, like, n- again, not an area of expertise, but I think if it if it were to be, I would do my research on it. Um, I just think it's an identity thing. And you can almost look, look at it that way. Like, I'm not a powerlifter or a podcaster. I'm not an eater or I'm not paleo or I'm not this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, that's a good point. We're all, we all have to eat. Yeah. So I think <laughs> identifying as a human being with needs and Mammal. understanding thermodynamics, it's yeah, like energy right. in, energy out. You have energy in, that's lower than energy out you're going to lose weight i don't care if it has stevia or ascorbate potassium in it if it if it doesn't throw the energy balance you're going to lose weight yeah. uh, so i think education yeah and i don't think you should look to identify because it's transient right well i think what i'm looking for is to release the stress for people like trying to find the right answer and i think it's because of my own frustration of like seeing all this all the fads come in and out of our well and i think also what i'm hearing you say is like it's there's it's not always a benefit to be open-minded and just sort of like take things as they come yeah yeah i mean i always approach everything with cynicism to or criticism to the level of cynicism like you are guilty until I prove you innocent. <laughs> like that's how this works. Cause more often than not, you'll start to see like insidious reasons of why these diets exist financially or otherwise. And it's like, I, again, I thank the guy next to me on the bus and whatever deity will listen <laughs> that I'm a guy. Cause I can't begin to empathize. I have zero experience with the female experience. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially in the fitness space. Sure. Holy shit. I like I was so I was at the Mr. and this is a bit of an aside, uh, but I was at the Mr. Olympia um, Expo mm-hmm. and like the 18 year old version of me would have been stoked, so excited about the landscape I just walked into. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Supplement sponsors like, hey, you got to get to Vegas. So I'm like, ah, sweetie, I got to go to Vegas. Yes, it's work, you know. And uh, so I'm like walking around this expo, and the 28 year old version of me just goes, I just want to walk around with towels. At like 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 a volunteer at the end of a marathon, just like cover them up, just, <laughs> just sweetheart. Like, come over. Yeah, here. just please. Like, you don't have okay. to do this. You don't have to do this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just like I've never been to a strip club, but I would imagine it, it was a similar sort of experience of just. Except like, there's lights are on someone. at the Olympia competition. Is that is that the difference? Yeah. Is that Pretty the much. voice of experience? Okay. <laughs> All right. Trust us. We've <laughs> yeah. been to Vegas many. Strip, Fair enough. Strip clubs. There's it's dark in there, so you don't have to confront mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on. Okay. I I think I know who to call if I ever need to phone a friend on the subject. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's like Aww. there's a lot. There's a lot we gotta worry about. You're, all right, but it right. was a great conversation. I know. I don't like have I don't, so much to think about now. I don't which is quite. Good. I like leaving conversations where you feel like you have more to talk about and you are challenged. And I don't like my quite want to end challenged. it on the visual of no. you 
covering up um, it's bikini cool, though. competitors with it's cool, though. Like, towels and uh, those emergency tin, blankets. Big tinfoil yeah. things. <laughs> keep you warm. Them, just, just, keep you warm. Just anything. Come anything. With me. You're someone's daughter. Please, please stop. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That was no, fun. I mean, I figured before the weekend's out, yeah. return the favor and get you on. I want to turn cool. you guys loose. <laughs> I feel Careful like, what you wish no, for. I feel like I could just throw gas on a flame. It'd be oh. fucking awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, sounds good. All right.